With President Trump officially recognizing Jerusalem as the ancient capital of Israel and the Jewish people, and my beloved city Hollywood literally burning to the ground, we must ask ourselves, are these the end times? We will analyze the apocalypse from the Christmas war rooms. Then Lauren Cooley of the Washington Examiner and Amanda Prestigiacomo of the Daily Wire will join the panel of deplorables to discuss President Trump's once again accidentally accurate prediction over Islamist threats to the UK, a woman marrying her chandelier, and human-mouse hybrids. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. You know, so I, I have to correct myself. Apparently, that was wishful thinking. I was really hoping it was Amanda on the show today. It's not. It's Jacob Airy. That's fine. We'll make do. Uh, you, you'll notice I'm coming to you right now from the Christmas War Rooms I because I woke up this morning and my city is on fire. And now, while most of the people at the Daily Wire live on the other side of the hill or they live a little east or whatever, I am directly in line with where the fire is just raining down like Sodom and Gomorrah on Hollywood. And so I sent out a couple tweets this morning, you know, uh, ba basically, I think the images of LA burning are what people think it's like to commute to the Daily Wire, just going down into the infernos and to hell, you know, abandon all hope ye who enter here. Uh, I also pointed out that God does not paint with a terribly subtle brush. Uh, because people got very angry about this on Twitter. They they said that it was similar to when lefties uh, claimed the hurricanes were divine vengeance for Trump. But it, it actually is a completely different joke. The, the point here is that Hollywood is figuratively burning itself to the ground. You've seen Harvey Weinstein. You've seen all of these major actors, celebrities, Kevin Spacey, heads of studios, agents. Everybody is being accused of sexual harassment. Ben Affleck, although you don't hear about that anymore because he's too valuable to Hollywood. And so it's all figuratively burning. And then God, with that little, you know, little brush, brush stroke, it makes it much more vivid because now it's literally burning to the ground. That's uh, uh, quite a relation between the symbol and the symbolized. So we will get into all of that. And, you know, they say that aha, politics is show business for ugly people, which is true that DC is Hollywood for ugly people. And if there's one ugly person who's succeeded in both, that would be Democratic Senator Al Franken of New Jersey. He, you, you remember he was on Saturday Night Live, and now he is professionally groping women in our nation's capital in the swampland. And so there have been these accusations bubbling for a few weeks now. They say, as people have been harping on Roy Moore in Alabama, they've said, what about Al Franken? Al Franken posed for photos, groping women, groping troops, uh, grabbing people's derriere at state fairs, that sort of thing. And he's denied it. He said he's reflecting over Thanksgiving, whatever, but they haven't gotten him yet. Just today, that all changed. There are now 28 Democratic senators, his colleagues, people from his caucus, who are calling on him to resign. This is one day after John Conyers, who has been a United States representative since, I think, 1751. He's been around. He's been there since the Johnson administration. Uh, 15 men, 13 women who are his colleagues in the Senate are calling on him to resign. And so here is a live feed from Senator Franken's office this morning. I deserve good things. I am entitled to my share of happiness. I refuse to beat myself up. I am an attractive person. I am fun to be with. Daily Affirmation with Stuart Smalley. Stuart Smalley is a caring nurturer, a member of several 12-step programs, 
but not a licensed therapist. I'm going to do a terrific show today, and I'm going to help people because I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, and doggone it, people like me. Turns out that's fake news because people don't like Al Franken <laughs> because he gropes women, I guess. And it, it isn't just that. I actually, I was showing this clip around today. People forget that he was on Saturday Night Live. They forget whenever I see Senator Franken trying to grill someone during Senate testimony or whatever, all I can see is Stuart Smalley. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. I grope enough. And gosh darn it. But anyway, he, uh, he very likely will have to resign now. And, and this is a trade. Do not think for one second that the Democrats have woken up and they said, oh, you know, we were wrong about sexual assault for so long. And coincidentally, we'll do it at exactly the moment when it isn't politically advantageous for us anymore to support sexual assailants. So it, there's nothing uh, organic about this. This began because Bill Clinton is no longer useful, because Hillary Clinton will never be president. And there have been these allegations bubbling up, but they know they can only go after Roy Moore. And Roy Moore, by the way, it, it's not about Roy Moore. It's not about this Alabama Senate seat. This is all a proxy for Donald Trump. If we can get Roy Moore on these decades-old allegations about bad things with women, then we can we can bring it all the way up to Donald Trump. If we can get them to crack on Roy Moore, we can get them to crack on Donald Trump. But oops, we can't have any credibility on those issues if we don't get rid of John Conyers, if we don't get rid of Bob Medendez, if we don't get rid of Al Franken, they've already had to deal with Anthony Weiner uh, and the myriad other uh, politicians who have been accused of improprieties with women. Now, there is a trade that's going on. So John Conyers, Nancy Pelosi initially stood up for the guy, said he shouldn't resign, and then eventually she caved and said, okay, get rid of him. Why? Because he's politically useless now. He's about 150 years old. He's in a totally safe Democrat seat. He's endorsed his son to take over the seat. His son, by the way, who we've just learned, has rapped about how his dad is a womanizer and he's a player and all this and that, and how his mother went to prison. So. They know it's a safe seat. <laughs> the kid might actually win it. Who knows? Uh, Al Franken is another one. We have the a governor of Minnesota who is a Democrat. His name is Mark Dayton. So if, if Franken resigns, they'll be able to appoint another uh, Democrat senator. Nothing ventured, nothing gained, right? No harm, no foul. It's okay. They're their Senate numbers are still doing just fine. Bob Menendez is where the rubber meets the road. And it's how you know that these guys are totally full of it because they're willing to throw people who are useless to them under the bus. Began with Donna Brazile, who threw Hillary Clinton, the House of Clinton under the bus. They threw uh, now Franken and before that John Conyers. But Bob Menendez can't go. Now, what is Bob Menendez accused of? If you listen to the mainstream media tell it, he's accused of nothing. There are these old discredited allegations that in the Dominican Republic, he had a few dances, dalliances with dances, a few dalliances with underaged prostitutes, but that's totally discredited. It was run on one of those fake news right-wing websites. Not so. Bob Menendez is on trial for corruption. A lot of slick dealings from Bob Menendez in New Jersey, not terribly surprising. But federal prosecutors made a point of saying on Monday that they are not convinced that the underage prostitute allegations are false. They're not sure. It's not saying he certainly did it, but it totally undercuts the mainstream media narrative that these are discredited, that it isn't uh, true. So we're seeing this all burning down. But un until we get Bob Menendez, until they offer one of their own, one of the own Democrats who's accused of these things, where it actually has a political cost to them, I just don't believe it. And you shouldn't believe it either. Now, 
before we move on, there is so much more apocalypse to talk about. There is so many more signs of the end times and some of the best news of the day, by the way. But before we do that, we have got to talk about Zip Recruiter. So I'm here. It's very nice. I'm cozy here today, and uh, I'm sipping on my cup of uh, Coco Fefe, and I'm by the Christmas tree and wearing my pajamas or whatever. But I'm actually going to say uh, some good things about the Michael Knowles show and the Daily Wire staff for a change, because they managed to throw this all together and fight back the blazes that are burning in the hills right now so that we could do this show. It is very important to hire good people. And if you're in need of great talent for your business, but you're short on time, you don't have to get lost in a huge stack of resumes and headshots. Since we're coming from Hollywood and since we're apparently in the final days of Hollywood here, I can tell you this whole town is basically based on a group of people bringing stacks and stacks of headshots and resumes to offices. And then people are specifically hired to take those headshots and resumes and throw them out <laughs> without anybody who can make a uh, personnel decision looking at them. They're just useless. It's an old way of doing things. It's too time intensive. You don't have to do it. If hiring could be easier, what if it were streamlined? What if there were less time consuming? So even when you're busy, you can still be smart about the way you're hot. You can hire. Now, uh, you know, quality hires keep your business moving forward, and it can take a lot of time to find a good candidate, but ZipRecruiter is different. That's why you have ZipRecruiter. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards with the click of a button, just one click. Uh, you can rest easy knowing your job is being seen by the right candidates. I, I frequently talk about this. I'm a millennial. If I can't do something with one click for not very much money or free sitting in a chair, you know, I don't want to do it. And that's that's why ZipRecruiter makes it so easy. It puts its smart matching technology to work, actively notifying qualified candidates about your job within minutes of posting so you receive the best possible matches. Sometimes you, you post a job out there and then you just wait and nothing happens. That's because because the, the talent, the job is out there, but the talent aren't being notified that it's available. ZipRecruiter makes that happen. Unlike other hiring sites, it doesn't depend on the right candidates to find you. It finds them. You can even actually get a start on the interview process by adding some screening questions to your job post to help identify qualified candidates. When we were hiring Marshall, if we had only done this, if we'd ever said, have you ever been committed to insane asylums and, and walked around muttering on the sidewalk? we would have avoided a lot of headaches, folks. I'm just telling you, it's a really important aspect of it. Now, there is no wonder that 80% of employers who post a ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day, 24 hours. That is pretty cofefe. So uh, the easy to use ZipRecruiter dashboard lets you manage hiring. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by growing businesses of all sizes, all industries, find the most qualified job candidate with immediate results. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That is a price I can afford for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash MKS. Do you know what that stands for? That's the Michael Knowles show. ZipRecruiter.com slash MKS. One more time to try for free. Go to WhereZipRecruiter.com slash MKS. Yes. Now, I we we had a, there was a lot of hand wringing, especially on the right, when we were going to hire a president in November of 2016, and we were all very nervous that President Trump would not keep any of his promises. He wasn't a real conservative. We hadn't seen him exhibit conservatism or right wing views in his life. One of the promises that he made, he was very insistent on this, was to move the uh, capital of Israel, or, or rather to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel and to move the U.S. embassy to Jerusalem. Now, uh, 
you know, with Gamora on the sea by fire, with Washington, D.C. in the slump, swamp imploding, the most prophetic news to the, of the day is that Donald Trump made good on that promise. Here is President Trump on the campaign trail. We will move the American embassy to the eternal capital of the Jewish people, Jerusalem. When he said it, I didn't believe it either, by the way. I didn't think it would happen because Republicans have campaigned on this for years. Ever since, after the Gingrich Revolution, after the big Republican wins in the House in 1995, they passed the Jerusalem Embassy Act. What does it mean? It means what it says. They decided that they would move the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv, where all of the embassies practically are in Israel, to Jerusalem, to recognize Jerusalem as the eternal city and capital of the Jewish people and of Israel. Now, the problem with this is that Palestinian Arabs claim the city for themselves, and that's where we see the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. What did President Clinton do when this law was passed? He signed a waiver and said, that nah, they couldn't do it. Same with President Bush, same with President Obama. They all cited national security concerns. We can't do it. It'll, it'll basically piss off our neighbors too much, and we don't want to have to deal with that. So what does President Trump do? Does he do what three of his predecessors did in violation of the law and contravention of the law? Here is President Trump this morning. Therefore, I have determined that it is time to officially recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. While previous presidents have made this a major campaign promise, they failed to deliver. Today, I am delivering. He's delivering. That's what he does. He's the deliverer. And not just that, there were some reports before that Donald Trump would recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, but not move the U.S. Embassy. So you kind of get all the nice press releases, but it doesn't have much of an effect. Even that, by the way, would have been an act of moral courage, but he didn't do that. He followed through with the concrete action. You would always hear on the campaign trail Donald Trump say, well, I build things. I, I'll build a wall. I'm very good at building things. He would always use concrete examples, low energy Jeb, Lion Ted, Crooked Hillary, right? these graphic, vivid examples. And it's how he makes his rhetoric so effective, even make America great again. It's very concrete. It creates an image in your mind. And that's what he's doing here. It would be very un-Trumpy, it would be anti-Trumpian to say Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, but we're not going to move the embassy. He has to follow through with that concrete action. And that's what he did. I, more than I expected, more than a lot of commentators expected, this is an act of real political courage and moral clarity. For people say that Donald Trump has no moral vision or no ideological vision of the world, it's hard to say that now. This was a difficult act. There was no reason he had to do it. He easily could have gotten away without doing it. It runs a lot of risks by moving the, the embassy to Jerusalem, but he understood that it's the right thing to do, and it sends a clear moral message to the world, and it's a reassumption for the world of American moral leadership. So much of what you heard during Barack Obama's era was the United States apologizing for crimes that it didn't commit, and that the West, by the way, didn't even commit. As he's talking about Islamic terrorism, he starts talking about the Crusades, one, as if the First Crusade were some bad war that the West should apologize for, which it wasn't, 
And uh, two, as though a war that happened a thousand years ago or 800 years ago is morally equivalent to what's happening today, that it's as politically relevant as it is today. And, and Donald Trump isn't doing that. So uh, I guess the real sign of the apocalypse, we have Hollywood burning, that might be it. We have the, the American embassy being reconstructed in Jerusalem, maybe that's it. But Donald Trump being the voice of moral clarity in the world is probably the primest example that we're in the end times. And bring it on. That's not so bad. With that, I think we should bring on our panel. But before, by the way, before we bring on our panel, I've got to tell you, we, and we have a good panel today. We have Lauren Cooley from the Washington Examiner. That's a real journalist. That's not just a fake news journalist. And we have Jacob Berry. But before that, we got to talk about Ring. Ring's mission is to make neighborhoods safer. Today, over 1 million people use the amazing Ring video doorbell to help protect their homes. Ring knows that home security begins at the front door, but it doesn't end there. So they extend that same level of security with their Ring floodlight cam. You know this, when you go to rob somebody's house and then the light goes on and then you scurry away and decide to uh, confess your sins and, and really take a hard look at your life, it's because of that floodlight. Now, what Ring does is it puts a camera in there. So even if someone comes up and steals your floodlight, it's already uploaded to the, to the cloud and you can see who did it, you can access it from anywhere. It really is the future. In, in the old days, we used to have neighborhood watches to keep communities safe. Now, it, Ring is the way to do it. It's so much easier. It's, it's, I think neighborhood watches are a thing of the past. This is how you do it. You, you could be anywhere. You could be at work, you could be on the beach. Someone rings your bell, you can get a video feed right to them. You can talk, you can see what's going on. You can make sure they're not trying to do you any harm. And uh, whether you're home or away, the Ring floodlight cam also keeps an eye on your home from everywhere. It offers the ultimate in home security with high visibility floodlights, powerful HD camera, puts security in your own hands. Right now, if you're a Michael Knowles Show listener, you can save up to $150 off a Ring home security kit when you go to ring.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, just like Beyonce. Ring.com slash Knowles. That is ring.com slash Knowles. They did this a great study in one of the bad neighborhoods of L.A., and they gave out a bunch of uh, a bunch of ring equipment. It reduced home burglaries by 55% within six months or something like that. Unbelievable stuff. Ring.com slash Knowles. Okay, let's bring on our panel. Lauren Cooley from the Washington Examiner. Thank you for being here. And Jacob, Jacob, are you sitting in my office? Are you I, sitting in my studio? I escaped from the insane asylum and ended up in the basement of the Daily Wire. I don't know how that it, happened. It's very fitting. There's something very fitting about that. Well, that's okay. I would be upset that you're sitting in my studio, but I am coming from War on Christmas Central right now with a hot cup of Coco Fefe, so that, that's okay. I can get over it. Uh, there is insane news. This is why we couldn't just cancel the show today. This is unbelievable. I was watching uh, this morning, as I should have been commuting to the Daily Wire, watching that incredible press conference from President Trump. Lauren, let's begin with you. This has been promised for a yeah, long time. So there have been a lot of national security risks. Was this the right thing to do for President Trump with regard to all of the national security risks it entails? Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, this is uh, something that not everyone expected, but I'm starting to believe that if we can expect one thing from Donald Trump, it's that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Um, there's been many different campaign promises uh, that he's followed through on. And that's not your typical politician by any means. Obviously, President Trump is not our typical politician. Um, but the interesting thing here is, like you said, he didn't have to follow through on this in the sense that other presidents haven't followed through on this. 
um, and there's a lot of risk involved. But I think sometimes doing the right thing is risky. Um, otherwise, everyone would be doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so when it comes to moral clarity, it's exciting to see that we have a president that isn't just going to do what's politically expedient, um, isn't going to do necessarily the easiest thing, the path of least resistance, but he's actually doing something that takes a lot of guts and we may have some pushback for, but it's the right thing to do. And we've got a guy in office that's willing to do the right thing. Jacob, why did he do this? Is this, by the way, going to be the beginning of the much-promised Trump World War III? <laughs> he causes World War III by uh, making our our friends over in the Middle East very angry at us? Or is there some political motive that's going on here? Why this move? Why now? Why is he the president to do it after 20 years? I think he wants to make history. That's why I think he's doing it. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that his motivations are bad. I think they're very well-intentioned. But I honestly do think that he's doing this because, hey, I'm going to be that president, that Republican president who actually kept that promise. And mm -hmm. uh, now he's in the history books. He rec he's the first U.S. president to recognize Jerusalem as the true capital of Israel. Now, as far as the starting World War III, I think we're going to see a lot of uh, virtue signaling from the left, and we might get some blowback from radical Islam Islamists, but I honestly think that uh, as far as World War III is concerned, I don't think that's going to happen. I think I think we're going to see a lot of pushback, but outside of that, uh, no real international damage outside of some UN delegates just grandstanding on it. That's the only reason the UN exists anyway, is just for <laughs> bad people to grandstand. But I do think also these stories are related. The store, maybe not the fire, the fire might just be unrelated, <laughs> but all of the sexual assault reckoning happening on the left and President Trump doing very well in office, I think there's no coincidence that the reason they're ramping this up, the reason they're willing to claim Al Franken's scalp and John Conyers' scalp and, and really reckon with these issues is that they have to run on this in 2018 and 2020. Donald Trump is doing too well. I think they were banking on running on Trump doing a terrible job, crashing the economy, starting trade wars, starting World War III, but it just isn't happening. The economy has, is growing very strongly. He was able to get this major legislative win with tax reform. He's ably handled foreign policy. He's, he's really uh, had political courage even as a Republican. Yeah, obviously we see this with the, the Jerusalem embassy move, but he's done a decent job of wrangling, massive deregulation, kept his promise on originalist judges, is packing the courts with his judges. So they're not going to be able to run on that. I, they just have to hit him on sexual assault claims or whatever. Lauren, is that going to work? Are they going to be able to drag these girls from 30 years ago back up? Is it are these allegations, if they fire Franken and they fire Conyers and reclaim the moral high ground, are these allegations enough to win in 2018 and 2020? I don't think they are, and here's why. I'm going to tie the um, Israel um, embassy move into this sexual assault conversation. So um, the left has done a great job trying to say uh, that Republicans and conservatives have lost the moral high ground. And they keep hammering an issue long enough, some of the religious conservative base may start to believe it, may start to lose faith in the president. Um, but by actually doing something so bold with Israel, um, with our foreign policy when it comes to you know, our greatest ally, 
um, which has a lot of historical and biblical context and means a lot to social conservatives. I think this foreign policy move and win actually helps him regain moral high ground despite all the claims with sexual assault having to deal with President Trump in his past. Because there is also a world in which I can totally believe voters saying you're throwing out these allegations from 40 years ago, and they might be true, they may not be true. If they're true, I feel bad for the victims. But my political priorities are bigger than unsubstantiated allegations. I could see that happening. It might be their best shot, though. Jacob, where does this end? Does it end? Are they going to end right before they get Bob Menendez? Is it going to topple over into Bob Menendez? Is it going to bring down the entire United States Senate? Sexual impropriety is a job requirement of <laughs> politics, basically. Where? What is the end game here? Is it just, are we all going to be sitting around looking like the disgusting fallen sinners that we are? Well, I think so. And, and quite frankly, here's what's happening. All this finger pointing like, oh, this Republican did this, but this Democrat did this. Just wait. They're going to go into Christmas recess and all of a sudden the finger pointing stops if Al Franken and John Connors resigns. Now, if they don't, uh, that might be a different story. But I think that uh, or with more if more gets elected then and he doesn't get censured, then then the finger pointing will continue those three. But if those three things become unraveled, then I think all of a sudden it'll just die down and all the sexual harassment finger pointing that's done by these politicians, we won't hear about it anymore because like you said, it's almost a job requirement for a senator to have some weird fetish that we have to hear about. <laughs> that, that is true. And I don't want to hear about them. Nope, let's hope it <laughs> dies out after Christmas and the bad guys just resign or go away. I exactly. do not want to hear about it. Okay, we have much more to talk about. Speaking of President Trump being right and surprising all of us, turns out he was coincidentally right about terror threats uh, in the United Kingdom against the government of Theresa May. We also need to talk about a woman marrying her chandelier and the future super race of human mice. But before we can get to any of that, I have to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. You're going to have to leave my living room, the Christmas war rooms and headquarters for the war on Christmas. You can't sip on any more cups of Coco Fefe unless you go to dailywire.com right now. Now, what do you get if you go to dailywire.com? Well, one, you can listen to the conversation with our very own super big boss man, Ben Shapiro. That conversation will be happening on December 12th. December 12th, that's next week at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. If you subscribe to The Daily Wire right now, you can ask him any question you want. Uh, you know, frequently Ben fires me, and today was a very graphic version of that as the whole place burned up. And I'm, I'm going to log in. I'm going to ask him questions. I think you should, too. It is a, it's a great opportunity. He's just going to sit there and take them basically as they come in. Uh, so if you want to be able to talk to Ben and get the answers to change your life, do that. What else do you get? You get me. You get The Andrew Clavin Show. You get The Ben Shapiro Show. Blah, blah, blah. You also get the leftist tears tumbler. I'm feeling very deprived right now. I accidentally left my leftist tears tumbler at the office yesterday. I figured I would be in the studio today. So I've had to eat, drink my uh, hot cocoa fefe out of these very uh, inferior, very subpar devices. They certainly couldn't store a single drop of leftist tears. And by the way, they are going to be flowing. They're going to be flowing from the four corners of the earth now that Donald Trump has moved the Jerusalem embassy or moved the Israeli embassy to Jerusalem. They're going to be pouring out every 
everywhere. It is going to be really dangerous. You're going to be wiped away in a flood. So make sure you get the Leftist Tears Tumbler. You can serve those tears hot or cold, always salty and delicious. Go to dailywire.com right now. We'll be right back. More great news. There is more great news coming out of this news cycle somehow. So you might have remembered a week or two ago, Donald Trump retweeted Britain First, this very far right group, tweet Muslim videos, videos of Muslims doing bad sorts of things. And he got in a lot of trouble for this. And actually the Tory prime minister of the UK, Theresa May, criticized Donald Trump for doing it, said he shouldn't have done it and it was bad and unhelpful. So Donald Trump responded to her and said, Theresa May, don't focus on me, focus on the destructive radical Islamic terrorism that is taking place within the United Kingdom. We are doing just fine. Now, at the time, he's, why are you antagonizing an ally? There's no reason for this. We've just learned that Theresa May was almost assassinated by Islamic terrorists recently. An Islamist man was planning to blow up 10 Downing Street, the center of the UK government before his plot was foiled by British intelligence. Lauren, does Donald Trump just keep accidentally being right about these things? What can you tell me about this plot? So I think Donald Trump, in a sense, is accidentally right in, in the sense that he knows there's a threat in the UK, specifically when it comes to Islamic terrorists. So is the video accurate of what that was reported was depicted? A lot of people said no. President Trump watched it. He thought that it depicted a broader issue going on in Europe. Um, obviously, he has his finger on the pulse. He understands that there is an issue going on there. Uh, so I actually equate this kind of to liberal journalists. Their worldview is that President Trump is absolutely terrible. And so they'll jump to conclusions and report fake news because they hear a rumor and they're like, that makes sense to my worldview. That makes sense. I'm going to mm. publish it. It has to be true. And it's not. So in the same way, these videos, not necessarily accurate, not necessarily factual, um, but it meets Donald Trump's worldview. And that's that uh, Islamic terrorism is becoming more and more rampant in the UK. Uh, and so when he retweeted those videos and that information, uh, it may not have specifically been accurate, but it fits the worldview of Donald Trump. And I think his worldview is very accurate in the broad scheme of things. Mm. This does happen on both sides. Both sides, the left and the right, I'm perfectly willing to admit, when we hear some information that confirms our suspicions about the world, we're more likely to run with it, even if the evidence isn't there, we're more likely to say, well, this isn't true, but it confirms the greater truth. I see that happening on the left all the time. It does happen on the right as well. Jacob, what is the threat here? How, how does Europe deal with this. Obviously, Europe is going to deal with Islamic terrorism and has Islamic threats that are different than the United States does. How do they uh, mitigate the risk? And what does this have to do with, uh, with all of the other European politics we've seen this year, the Brexit, the pushing back against diversity throughout the United Kingdom? Well, first of all, I think they need to get a handle on their immigration crisis because right now, especially you see in Germany and France, they're trying to censure uh, 
places like Austria, the Czech Republic, Poland that are have are putting in place stricter migration policies. And so they need to deal with that first because that is where the threat is coming from. They're just having open borders and so they're not vetting any of the immigrants. And there are good immigrants coming in, but there's also as as we see with some uh, with some of the incidents in Paris and in and in Belgium we're seeing or excuse me Brussels, we're seeing uh, these uh, terrorists slip in. And so that's what they need to do right off the bat. Now are they willing to do it? Well, Angela Merkel seemed to hint that she might be realizing, oh, maybe this was a bad idea. So I think that's where they got they want to start. And I think as far as Brexit was concerned, I think that was more of a reaction to uh, the British wanted to stay British. They didn't. The British don't want to be French. Those terrible they, racists. <laughs> I can't believe the English want to stay English. Yeah, exactly. Outrageous. Exactly. They're like, we don't want to be. We don't want to be French. We don't want to be Germans. We want to be English. So I think that was that was more of a reaction to. We want to keep our culture as opposed to reaction with how the EU is handling uh, Islamic immigration into the into the continent. Absolutely. And I, I actually want to talk about this a little more, but we might have to do a separate show on it because there's much more important news and another sign of the apocalypse. A woman <laughs> is marrying her chandelier. A woman named Amanda Liberty, well-named, 33 years old, says she will soon marry a chandelier that she bought online. She described how she kisses and cuddles the antique, which is 57 years older than she is. She says that she is emotionally and, get ready to cringe, sexually gratified by the chandelier. Lauren, isn't this illegal? Isn't this an example of prostitution? Isn't this trafficking? She purchased her soon-to-be spouse. Yeah, well, I don't know uh, how that works <laughs> with an inanimate object, but what I will say is this. Um, the fact that we validate this and say, you know, congratulations on your, you know, upcoming nuptials to a chandelier just shows that um, we're starting to really accept mental uh, health issues as not only the norm, but as like something to celebrate and encourage. Um, this is not the only example that I've seen in the news recently about women or men becoming, you know, attracted to random objects. Uh, there's a woman who wants to marry a, a Ferris wheel and another one, I think, who married a bridge. I mean, this is just bizarre. And with the lady in the chandelier, um, I read that she actually has multiple other chandeliers that she also loves, but she's only going to marry the one. And so <laughs> I just feel bad for the chandelier she's marrying. I mean, yeah, what a I, if I was the chandelier, I, I would want, you know, a monogamous relationship. That, I guess she's polyamorous. I guess she has a whole harem of lamps and light flash bulbs and things like that. We actually do have a clip of the woman with her beloved. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, no. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I've been burnt by you before. <laughs> <laughs> that looks like sexual assault to me. She was clearly saying, oh, no. And he said, oh, yes. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. That is no good. That's going to be the next Hollywood story to follow is Lumiere from Beauty and the Beast. Really awful. Now, Lauren pointed out, we are indulging these delusions and these mental illnesses. But Jacob, how far back does this go? It seems to me that the purpose of indulging a woman who has a sexual fetish to uh, be sexual with inanimate objects, which I believe qualifies her to be a U.S. senator, if we indulge that, that uh, only mainstreams the problem. It only enhances the problem. There was a woman earlier this year who married herself. She had a ceremony with a mirror, and she married herself in front of friends and family. How far does this go? If we're going to say, no, clearly it is not marriage if you are 
hugging your light bulb, that is clearly not marriage, then aren't we just hateful bigots? Doesn't that undo so much of the argumentation and so much of the logic behind redefining marriage, not just to include same-sex monogamous couples, but to include polygamous couples, polyamorous couples, incestual relationships? If we yell at the lady and we tell the lady who's marrying her Lumiere that it isn't marriage, doesn't that undo all of the logic of our progressive period? Yes, and I think that's why you see some some of these far-left hacks going for it. And I want to know who these ministers are that are marrying these people. I mean, if, if they should be defrocked immediately. They're just as crazy as this woman marrying her her lantern or her chandelier or whatever this is. But I'm sure they're Unitarians or Jesuits or something. <laughs> could be. I, I just to, to your broader point, yes, I think that this thread, because they've realized, the left has realized they've opened this Pandora's box, and they don't know— uh, where it's going to end, because right after uh, the Supreme Court declared that homosexual marriage was legal, the first thing was the, the radical Mormons said, hey, we're next. We want to have our marriages to our five, uh, four wives. So I think that uh, I do think that that's why we're not seeing as much of a pushback. That's why you know, there used to be when people would do this crazy stuff, it would be all over the news. Now, now you barely hear about it. It's, you know, you might hear it on some uh, some oddball news outlet, but and now it's been kind of quiet because they know once they pull that string, they have to close the Pandora's box. Plus, the left has made all of these things so unfunny. that This is obviously hilarious. A woman is marrying her chandelier. I feel bad for her. She clearly has some mental illness, but the act itself is very funny. Drag queens are funny, but the left makes them so solemn and so unfunny. We have to treat it very seriously and, you know, oh, yes, I feel my heart is bleeding or whatever. Lauren, is there going to be any sort of cultural shift backward? We've seen Donald Trump using humor to point out the absurdities of political correctness, the absurdities of the culture warrior left. Is there going to be any push backward when it comes to marriage or sexual morality, or are we just living in decadent times here to stay? Actually, you know, I think that it used to be the left was so progressive and pushing the boundaries, um, but today, the real like rebe rebellious counterculture is the right. It's conservatives. And so um, studies actually show that generations even younger than millennials, so kids that are in high school and starting college now, actually kind of find an appeal to conservative values, traditional social values in a sense, because it's cool to be different. Uh, it's cool to push the boundaries. And obviously the Hollywood left, um, the culture across, really across the globe at this point, is so uh, liberal in, in not in just the sense of freedom and the ability to do things, but liberal in the sense of just wacky craziness, accepting mental illness, these things. I think we will see a shift back, not necessarily for the morality of it, but I think just because if you push too far, you almost push into the other side. Nothing says cool guy like cardigan sweaters and parted hair and sockless loafers. I know, I'm with you. We're the new punk man. It's great. So the speaking of... Uh, mental illness and the future of humanity and the apocalypse, I think we've reached the end. We've officially reached the end, which is that the National Institutes of Health have now used your taxpayer dollars to create, quote, humanized mice, mice implanted with tissues taken from aborted babies. Uh, Jacob, my first question, is there any way to make that more horrifying? That's like the most horrifying thing I've ever heard. Well, I want to know why they didn't use turtles, because I would see like to see a real incarnation of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But uh, to, to your point, uh, no, this is this is 
that humans playing God, and whenever humans play God, we always screw it up. It always leads to chaos. And so I think that, I think they, for one thing, I want a refund. I want all the money back that they spent on this ridiculous project. It's not worth it, and it's going to have dire consequences because then, right now they're using, uh, they're, they're using aborted fetuses, right? Well, next, they're what if it's a live person? What if it's a person in a coma who could potentially wake up. I mean, when are we going to draw the line of when can we uh, farm these uh, parts, these human body parts? I donate Marshall. If it is for science and I have to, I'm, I am willing to donate my producer Marshall. It will further the human race. It will further scientific progress. And thank you for your sacrifice, Marshall. They are using uh, a human bone marrow, liver, and thymus in these animals. So it's not the brain yet. It isn't like a poor little <laughs> human brain and a rat saying like, kill me, kill me. But for <laughs> decades and decades, the primary battle in, in bioethical debates has been abortion. And obviously we've made great strides toward a, a reasonable, the, the reasonable side of life. Uh, we've made great strides on pro-life for 40 years. Leon Cass, the, the president's philosopher, the head of President Bush's Council on Bioethical Inquiry, uh, is a bioconservative, and he's predicted these things, that cloning would become the next great debate, that hybrids and chimeras would be the next great debate. Lauren, I notice we've missed the debate. They're just funding this stuff with taxpayer money without asking us. Is this now going to take over abortion as the, the real bioethical uh, issue, or are Americans going to say, "Ah, oh, well, who cares? You can keep funding it." I don't really understand what it is anyway. Well, I think if you ask most Americans, they would say humans are humans, and God is God. Humans are not God, and so why would we be, you know, dabbling in this? But I do think it's a little more tricky. It's a little um, more difficult to understand than the concept just of abortion. Um, so it may take a while for people to wake up to it. But I kind of equate this with the artificial intelligence debate. Um, you know, obviously our supercomputers aren't being hybrid meshed with humans and it, there's not that debate of when do you take um, human DNA away from someone, whether, whether they're an organ donor or if there's somebody who is just in a coma, there's not that debate. But at the same time, um, these are the things where we have to actually think about it and say, are we going to be successful bridging these mice humans and are they going to become superheroes or supervillains? I mean, it's something far down the line, but <laughs> it's not ridiculous to be talking about. But I do think we've missed the debate. We're it, already paying for it, whether we like it or not. It does sound ridiculous, though, when you think of like an evil mouse with a mustache and a cape flying around with a human brain or something. But it's it is around the corner. The, yeah, the, the brave new world has arrived and... Uh, it, it does seem a little bit apocalyptic. All right, panel, thank you for being here. We have Lauren Cooley from The Washington Examiner. We have Jacob Airy from my desk, apparently, for some reason. Uh, that is our show. We will be talking much more. This is a little preview in, in the Christmas war rooms here. We will be talking about the war on Christmas. I feel passionately about this subject, and I think some of my fellow conservatives do not appreciate the importance of it. So we will be down in the bunkers discussing that. Get your mailbag questions in. We'll be changing your lives for the better, hopefully, tomorrow. Be sure to do that. In the meantime, I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Come back tomorrow. We will do it all again. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Marshall Benson. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Haig. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. 
Hair and Makeup is by Jesua Olvera. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2017.